0: Welcome to Lockdown Spurs, right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I am Jeff Garcia, the lead Spurs writer over at News Force San Antonio on Fox 29 San Antonio Spurs Zone. Well, the regular season is inching closer. still need to go through training camp and some preseason games. But as this uh, new look Spurs team hopes to get things straight and ready to go and get that chemistry down, you know, the Spurs did uh, take some hits uh, roster wise over the offseason. Players such as Kyle Anderson. Uh, Brendan Paul, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, the list goes on and on. The Spurs really took a hit uh, when it comes to Spurs corporate knowledge and just players, players that are capable of getting it done on the court and that's exactly what we're going to talk about today here on Locked On Spurs. Who was the biggest offseason loss? And before I bring in the panel of Jim Lesko and Joe Garcia, the rule is we cannot say Kawhi Leonard because that'd be just too damn easy so let's go ahead and bring in um, the two fellas here. You know him, you love him. we we'll start off with Jim He He's my colleague over at News 4 San Antonio. Jim, how you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me.
0: Yep. Joe Garcia. You know him. You love him. He's a regular here on Lockdown Spurs. He's from Two Shots Podcast. Joe, welcome aboard.
2: Oh, thank you for having me again. It's always a pleasure.
0: Yeah. So, gentlemen, Spurs uh, saw some quite the turnover over the offseason. And, um, yeah, that gives us the question here: Was the biggest loss Kawhi Leonard? I mean, that'd be just too easy, am I right, Joe? Let's start off with you.
2: Oh yeah, that'd be way too easy. You can't, you can't all, you can always put it on Kawhi Leonard because, let's be realistic, he only played a handful of games last season, so he didn't really have an impact on the team whatsoever, and they were still able to go to the playoffs. So, yeah, that's that's way too easy to to say Kawhi Leonard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be too easy. Perhaps, uh, arguably, one of the top five, top eight players in the league. It'd be just too easy. And, you know, I guess with that point, Jim, that we should just wrap up this show right now because it's going to be Kawhi Leonard. But actually, it's not going to be him. Uh, Joe, so it's not Kawhi Leonard for you, then who is it? Who do you think was the biggest offseason loss for the San Antonio Spurs?
2: I'd actually have to say it was going to be Kyle Anderson. It's a toss-up between Kyle and Danny. Uh, The reason that I say Kyle is... Kyle did a lot of the little things on the court. He was kind of like I always alluded to last season when we had our uh, Locked On Spurs uh, podcast. Uh, we were saying I would always say that he was the uh, Swiss Army knife for the Spurs. He did a little bit of everything. Yeah, and I think with but him it, it, being it, it's gone, it's funny.
0: It's funny you mentioned though. It's funny you mentioned Danny though because I was not expecting you to go that
2: route. <laughs> well, Danny, we're gonna miss his uh, defensive presence on the court. Uh, I think he did a lot as far as uh, you know going out there on the wing, playing defense for the Spurs. And, you know, he did. He he actually kind of filled the gap nicely uh, when Kawhi Leonard wasn't on the court. And I think Kyle Anderson actually uh, filled in uh, the other positions that, you know, were kind of in limbo, you know, because he was able to do a lot of little things out on the court to try to help the team out, either defensively or, you know, going and and trying to get a loose ball, helping to get rebounds, Mm -hmm. boxing people out. Out of the paint, you know, uh, doing all the little, the little things that you know do, don't get noticed so much on the stat sheet, but they do uh, get noticed by the coaching staff and the players on the team. And and now that he's gone, I think we're gonna have a, a a gaping hole in that position. Who's gonna be the the go-to guy, you know, or the one that can do a little bit of everything for the Spurs? So that's gonna be an interesting yeah. in- interesting dynamic moving forward to to this coming season because. Let's face it, this is a new-look team. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up Kyle Anderson uh, because uh, my colleague, Jim Lefkoe, um, he actually wrote an article about the biggest offseason loss, and he focused on Kyle Anderson. You can find that article over at the Spurs Zone, news dot box29sanantonio.com. Jim, you know, um, Joe brought up Kyle Anderson, but you have some interesting stats regarding his impact and what could be a significant loss for San Antonio once the ball goes up in the air in a few weeks.
1: Well, there's a million stats out there, and uh, you can find anyone to support your argument. So uh, I found one that uh, attacked yeah. me on Kyle Anderson. And, and basically it's, it's something ESPN came with, came up with a couple years ago. It's called uh, Real Plus Minus. And uh, for those that may not be familiar with that, they take a look at your offensive and defensive performances on the court and try to negate the impact that your teammates and the opponents have. So what they're trying to do is show uh, by numerical uh, analysis what your impact is. Uh, Kyle Anderson's real plus minus last year was 3.12, which may not mean much except that it was 31st best in the NBA and only one spot behind um, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge. So uh, for, for, for honors on the Spurs. So that shows the impact he has from a statistical point of view. But like Joe said, I think a lot of what he did uh, for the Spurs couldn't be measured by pure statistics. Uh, he was good at everything, maybe not great at anything. And I think uh, in the NBA, you tend to focus on folks that are great at one thing and maybe overlook what they aren't so good at. But I would argue that he was he's pretty darn good at everything. And uh, that's why Memphis uh, you know, picked him up. And I think he's going to be the guy that the Spurs missed the most.
0: Yeah, it's funny you, um, you mentioned Kyle because – I uh, had the, for- uh, the opportunity to really get in close with his camp when he was uh, a member of the Spurs. Speaking of his family, his brothers, and they always would tell me they felt that he was a forgotten spur that uh, you know Spurs fans uh, don't really realize like his value. I mean, stuff that they would tell me. And uh, obviously, last season, Jim he had no choice but to be inserted into the lineup because of the Kawhi Linda situation, and we saw his stats spike throughout. Um, the stat sheet uh, pretty much, you know, a little bit of everything. Um, Do you think that maybe there's some guy on this roster that could come close to what Kyle uh, gave the Spurs?
1: Well, I think because he didn't do any one specific thing, I don't think there'll be one guy to replace him. But uh, the thing I was taken by was, uh, going back to those numbers, it was his defensive ranking that gave him the overall uh, 3.12 number. He was okay on offense, but on defense he really excelled. And, you know, that's hard to quantify. And I think uh, some of the guys they picked up this year uh, are going to help on the offensive end. But uh, we'll see if that defensive intensity uh, remains. Uh, Danny Green is another person who uh, obviously contributed a lot defensively. And and, Mm -hmm. uh, Kawhi Leonard. So we've we've hit this theme before. But I think it's the defense that's going to, you know, really sell this team this year. And uh, I think that's where we'll see. uh, There's plenty of opportunity for guys to get court time if they show that they can – uh, be good defenders like Kyle Anderson and Danny Green uh, displayed for their their tenures during their San Antonio Spurs careers.
0: Yeah, Popovich uh, did mention that um, when he talked to the uh, media scrum. I think it was on Media Day, uh, saying that what's one of his um, key points he's focusing in right now is defense. You know, he, he acknowledged that a lot of defense went out the uh, window this off season. Obviously, Kyle, uh, Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green, Kyle Anderson, but Joe. Um, what do you think who do you think could be that as you said the swiss army knife for the spurs
2: well there's not like jim alluded to there's not going to be any one person that can really take over but if i have to uh guesstimate based on some of the performances i've seen going back to last season i believe that jaron blossom game could fill in nicely now he doesn't have the the skill set when it comes to the defense on the defensive end as a, a Kyle Anderson did. But since he's young and he's still learning, it doesn't mean that he can't flourish into that type of player. Um, there's st- there's a lot of good things that I see in him, but he needs to you know be seen if he's even going to make the roster this season. But I still have hopes not only for him but also for for Derek White to see if they can flourish into a you know a defensive presence out there for the for the Spurs.
0: Yeah, I, I got to agree with you. Um, you know, although Blossom Game doesn't really have the same, I'm, just the physique himself. I mean, Kyle Anders was long, and, you know, he had himself a um, real good uh, lower body. You know, he used his butt a lot, and, you know, the backup guys. So, uh, you know, and, then of course, Blossom Game, you know, that's one of the knocks on his uh, game. That's the stat numbers, just that his his size. You know, he's like well, he's like kind of an in-betweener for the forwards, you know. But, hey, you know, hopefully he does shine. And you're really pulling for Jerron to make that squad, aren't you, Joe?
2: I have hopes that he can make the squad. You know, because I mean, let's not let you know. Let's not kid ourselves. I mean, we we could always use some youth on the team. You know, because that's the movement in the NBA. Yeah. It's this youth movement, going smaller, going you know a little bit bigger, you know, and yet still having great athleticism. And I believe that Jerron Blossom game kind of fits that bill for the movement that the Spurs are are kind of you know shifting to now as you know they're getting younger so it just needs you know the, these players they just need time to flourish and that's one thing that yeah. we as Spurs fans I think we need to be patient with this team isn't going to be a team that's going to go out and you know contend immediately for a championship it, it's going to be a process and then that's what I'm saying it yeah we got to be patient and let these younger players kind of come into their own
0: now now before I give my pick uh, who I think uh, was the biggest loss for San Antonio uh, Jim, you know, we're trying to figure out who could be that guy, who could, you know, obviously we're, you know, the consensus is here on this show that it could be by committee, but what about the young kid, Lonnie Walker? You know, I I can see him doing a little bit of this, a little bit of that on the floor for San Antonio.
1: Yeah, I'm excited about what he's going to give them long-term. I'm not a -hmm. a big believer in rookies stepping right in and contributing and uh, having watched Pop and uh, the way he treats uh, first-year players. (laughs) Uh, I think this is going to be a developmental year for Walker. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he spends more time in Austin than he does uh, in San Antonio. That being said, uh, the themes of the day, if he can score and he can play good defense, there may be a role for yep. him on this year's team. And, and one fact that uh, I wanted to touch on, uh, of all the players that are gone this year, uh, they're losing 55.7 points a game scoring. That's a lot wow. more in place. So there is a lot mm-hmm. of offense. Five, five of the top ten scorers from last season are gone. And uh, that's a lot for a team that usually doesn't have uh, this kind of transition. So can someone like Walker step in? Sure. But I I think there's there's one more wild card that we haven't mentioned, and I don't want to steal your thunder, but uh, on people that uh, they're going to miss from last Mm -hmm. season. And this is a guy who didn't play a minute last season. Uh, He he happened to be an assistant coach, and I think uh, the loss of James Borrego is going to hurt. He's somebody that's been with the team in a couple different roles and a couple different stints, but uh, he got an opportunity to be a head coach. Uh, He's in Charlotte now, and, and great for him. But I think um, the fact that they've had some transition in the assistant coaching ranks also could have a, a bit of a factor. You know, not, not maybe the on-court notice that, that the loss of a player would provide. This is a, a smart guy who uh, helped strategize, uh, you know, going into each game, was one of uh, Pop's right-hand men, and, and obviously uh, other teams knew that, and uh, the, Pop- the Popovich pipeline continues, you know, of talent dispersed around the NBA. But this is another guy that, uh, you know, they're going to survive, but it, he's another loss uh, as you look at all these players that have gone away uh, somebody
0: important to the coaching staff is also gone. Yeah, uh, yeah. The Spurs definitely took some hits, uh, player-wise and coaching-wise, with the loss of uh, Burego. Now, as for me, I'm looking at a guy like Monte Ginobili. Uh, I think uh, his loss, uh, obviously off to retirement, uh, you know, will felt, be felt. Uh, yes, he is still around the team, and yes, he's been in practice um, since training camp started. He really can't get away from basketball, can he? But. Uh, I think, I mean, my goodness, what was that, like 16 seasons of Spurs knowledge just right out the window? Arguably, maybe one of the better Spurs last year in his final run, you know, rescued the Spurs when it was crunch time. Look at the game versus Boston in San Antonio last year. Uh, That veteran presence is gone. That leadership is gone. That player that other players would say they would rely on him. They would lean on him. Trying to figure out the Spurs system, trying to understand Popovich and his personality. That's gone. I'll grant Again, like I said, he is still in camp, but you know, just being there, that's great. But he's not going to be there every day. He's not going to be there in in-game situations. He's not going to be there in that locker room or on the bench teaching. And look, um, uh, do I think maybe he could have given one more season? I think he could have, but um, he just was ready to call it a season. I mean, if you look at the numbers he did. Last year, gentlemen, wasn't too shabby for a guy already over forty. Uh, Joe, what do you think?
2: I, I think they're going to miss uh, Manu. There's no question. I mean, Manu was kind of the heart of the team. He was that that spark off the bench that would ignite the the second unit. And without him out there, and of course without his knowledge out there, being able to you know share what he what he knows with these younger players, there's going to be a, a gap there as well. So his presence is going to be felt you know when he's not there on the court and now that he's gonna he's off in retirement he's not gonna be there they can't pick his brain you know and it's gonna be a loss that we're gonna feel just like we felt with Tony you know leaving right now I mean it's gonna be one of those things where we don't have a Tony on the court we don't have a Manu and you know we didn't have Tim Duncan for the last couple seasons because he retired as well so it's gonna take some getting used to I mean I I still can't get used to seeing Tony Parker in a a Hornets jersey. That just seems a bit strange and odd to me. It's an abomination, you know. I'm used to seeing him in silver and black. So just the way we feel as fans, I'm sure that the team is going to feel the same way. You know, they're going to be like, wow, we're we're missing Manu. You know, where's Manu? at? Mm -hmm. you know, he was a person they kind of turned to and key moments and pivotal moments of the game you know where he would give them guidance and leadership and now that he's not there of course you know it's the transitioning where somebody else is now going to have to step into that role and like we keep Mm -hmm. saying it's going to be an interesting season because who who are the who's the next uh, person who's going to pick up that mantle
0: yeah exactly And, and and jim you look He's still around, but he pretty much uh, squashed any thoughts of uh, coming back to coaching. So what do you think about the loss of Monte Ginobili?
1: Well, I, I, mean, I was interested to hear that he, uh, well, he wants to be part of the staff uh, in yeah. kind of a you know, proxy way. He's not going to be uh, anything close to an official coach. And he did tell, uh, he wrote in his column that he, he tends to do regularly, that he's not interested in, in uh, assuming any kind of coaching responsibility. So that's cool. He, he's, he's earned the right to do what he pleases. And I think the, the two thoughts about on the court he scored nine points a game last year had a couple assists a couple rebounds every game but more than that uh, he was the guy that i wanted on the court at the end of a close game
2: because mm-hmm. he was going to
1: do something to win the game so you know who's going to get who's going to be the guy that takes that last shot or that you want it in the hands of who either passes the ball to someone else or, or makes a key play and uh, they're going to have to figure out who their go-to guy is you know you would have thought in previous years uh, somebody like kawhi leonard somebody like manu ginobili is going to get the last shot um, now is it marcus aldridge uh, is it DeMar DeRozan? You know, who really is going to step up and, and decide the game? So I think uh, you, you lose what Ginobili gave you during the game, drawing charges, being that smart veteran, uh, making phenomenal, you know, uh, awesome passes. And then at the end of the game, when he was that veteran that could uh, make smart decisions and, and usually win games. So I think those are the two things they're going to miss the most, uh, as, as well as what we talked about before, his locker room presence, his mm-hmm. veteran sa- savvy, and uh, his popularity, uh, which you know, nobody's going to replace him in that regard.
0: For a minute there, I thought, Jim, you were going to say Joffrey Laverne was going to be the biggest loss for the Spurs.
1: <laughs> you know, I liked him. Uh, he was a fun guy. And, uh, he, he started off strong. Uh, he had that injury, and the uh, second half of the season wasn't nearly as impactful. But I thought he had a good personality, and uh, he's going to apply his trade in Europe, and, and good for him. But, mm-hmm. uh, for, for a one year acquisition, I, I enjoyed uh, getting to know him a little bit, and I enjoyed his game, and thought he brought a lot to the table.
0: <laughs> Joe, you can pretty much uh, retire your Joffrey Laverne jersey and hang it up in your studio. <laughs>
2: No, I was I was never really a fan of him. I, I had high hopes for him, but you know because of injury, he just he just never was the same uh, player that he, that he once was in the postseason. I mean, like I'm sorry, in preseason than he was in the actual regular season. I mean, I I saw him in you know in the preseason, and I was like, wow, this guy has great potential. And then when I would see him in the actual game, you know, in the regular season, I was just like, wow, what happened, man? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that injury, he could never recover from that and just fell out of rotation. And, and and I think it wasn't just that thumb injury. I think he had a foot or ankle injury as well yeah. um, in the season. But nevertheless, hey, um, good luck to Joffrey. I'm pretty sure he'll do well overseas in the EuroLeague. But, yeah, I mean, look, I mentioned Manu Ginobili. Joe and Jim, they brought it up, uh, he, you know, the losses. Of Kyle Anderson and Danny Green, but we want to hear what you have to say. Uh, who do you think was the biggest loss for San Antonio in the offseason? You can email me at Jeff Garcia 74 at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff G And as always, go out to the Spurs Zone, which you can find at News for San Antonio and Fox29 San com. Jim, uh, tell us how fans can interact with you. Well,
1: they can follow me on Twitter at, at Jim Lefka, and they can read my stories and columns on uh, News For San Antonio. And, K A B B.
0: Exactly. And uh, I think you also, uh, like, some non-Spurs stuff here, but you also hit a write-up on the uh, new sports team in San Antonio. The Commanders, I believe that's who they are, the AFL team?
1: Yeah, they've been fun to follow. Uh, they're going to debut in the, uh, right after the NFL season ends in February and play in the Alamo Dome. So we'll see if uh, this is one of those spring football leagues that actually survives. I think a lot of people here yeah. are, are cautiously optimistic to think this could be the one that, that actually makes it.
0: Yeah, and uh, for Joe Garcia, Joe, you have a lot going over at Two Shots, don't you?
2: Yeah, we're going to be having a new episode uh, coming out tonight. And we're working on some new tech, too. So we have a lot of things in the in the pipeline right now. So they can follow us at Two Shots Podcast, T-W-O-S-H-O-T-S Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And you can check us out on the Internet at twoshotssa.com.
0: There you go. Go give uh, Joe and Jim a follow on all social media platforms. But for Joe Garcia and Jim Lefko, I am Jeff Garcia, and we're going to put a lock on this episode of Lockdown Spurs.